Good morning. My name is Michael McCusker. Today is Thanksgiving in Yankee Doodle, USA, which this year should reflect breathtaking gratitude for dodging a holocaust of tyranny this past midterm election earlier this month. The people have spoken is the cliché. The reality is that the forces of disgust imagined Americans would be stupid enough to vote out democracy as though it were a trivial impediment to a glorious MAGA Make America Great Again future. And the most disgusting of all has self-nominated himself as MAGA Man two years hence. If Nero Caligula Trump can find a way to seize the presidency without being reelected, as he infamously attempted two years ago by stage managing an insurrection and probable elimination of his political enemies in Congress, it is not a fanciful conjecture that he will try, which would also have a side effect of keeping him out of jail. It can happen here and he came too close for comfort attempting the overthrow of democracy only two years ago. And this most recent election barely skirted electoral oligarchy. Even though he was not on the ballot, the midterm was all about America's foremost and perniciously fallacious demagogue in waiting. Abraham Lincoln spoke at Gettysburg 159 years ago on November 19, 1863, with nearly psychic clarity of our own contemporary anxieties about the contradictions between democracy and despotic absolutism, known also as fascism, when he said that our revolutionary ancestors, quote, brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all human beings are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, Lincoln said, testing whether this nation or any other so conceived and so dedicated can long endure, that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. That great civil war, Lincoln articulated, has never ended despite the nullification of slavery and never will, as long as racism and gender disparity continue to dominate American theological dogma. Our history is being disrupted and despoiled economically, politically, and ideologically in favor of odiously wealthy elites who ascribe to pre-existent colonial aristocracy and medieval-style serfdom for the common citizenry. Although earlier this month, Armistice Day, known in the USA as Veterans Day, commemorated the end of World War I a century and four years ago, the first true world war just might be the European invasion of the Western Hemisphere and its nearly half a millennium decimation of native cultures. 
the indigenous wars of three centuries compare with the genocidal anti-Semitism of the Nazis nearly a century ago. The surviving descendants of that 500-year extermination regard Thanksgiving as a national day of mourning. This day of mourning in America was initiated in the 1970s by the United American Indians of New England to dispel the traditional myth of early consanguinity between natives and foreign European pilgrims escaping religious intolerance who subsequently imposed racial inquisition almost immediately against the original inhabitants they regarded as filthy savages, who were, of course, savagely disinherited from their native lands. The first peoples continue to be regarded as a negligible minority population in American society, perpetual losers in king-of-the-hill genetic sweepstakes. The current world war ravaging humanity is an interspecies conflict between us and the plague of microscopic pathogens that have killed more than 6 million worldwide and nearly 2 million in the USA with nearly 100 million confirmed coronavirus cases, close to 700 million worldwide since the first recorded cases in China in late 2019. The coronavirus death toll is continually rising though not quite yet the 100 million estimated deaths of the post-World War I epidemic a century ago that ravaged our more immediate predecessors. Newly developed vaccines have certainly spared current humanity the immensely swift horrors of historic plagues, yet COVID-19 grinds on, redeveloping as pathogens in countervailing contagion and quite similar to storm forecasts, oncoming infestation is predicted. The prevailing moment is simply celebrating life in this dark time of year and to make merry while we still have life. It is an old cliche, but cliches are long-lasting because they are generally so true and on the mark of repetitious reality. So some takeaway thoughts with your turkey. Remember that our thanksgiving is the result of stealing the continent away from civilizations which our revered ancestors buried and whose descendants we continue to treat with benign contempt. Remember that our intrusion wiped out entire species of wildlife and continue to render others close to extinction. Remember, we made slaves of a race we have never quite freed or treat as equals. If we are to be truly thankful, we must remember how much of our bounty has been taken from others and how much we owe in return. On this day of public thanksgiving, concern should be given the homeless, jobless, and also to plague-riven citizens who have very little to be thankful for the many among us who have little prospect for even a Thanksgiving dinner. Make America great again. Save democracy from its homegrown demons who foolishly think their tormented lives will improve by abolishing government of the people, by the people, and for the people.
and now by Kamala Paul. Is there a problem with Thanksgiving? Have we decided what the problem with Thanksgiving is going to be this year? We could start with the base level perennials, the god-awful travel, the risk to one's diet, the cousin who is loudly certain that someone has slipped gluten into the gluten-free stuffing. There's typically a grievance against the potatoes, the format, mash or casserole, whether or not to marshmallow, why there is never enough. Someone has canceled at the last minute. Someone nobody invited shows up anyway. At least one child refuses to sit at the kiddie table. The teenagers refuse to put their phones down at whatever table. An uncle insists on watching the football game at the table. The table itself looks nothing like tables on Instagram. But in recent years, we have had particular reason to squabble over the holiday. For four unforgiving years, from 2016 to 2020, the problem was breaking bread with your political nemeses. Advice columns bristled with agita. How do you handle your Trump-loving father-in-law or the out-of-towners who show up in MAGA gear? No baseball caps at the table was U.S. Today's rule number seven for avoiding political food fights in 2019. In some other neck of the woods, aggrieved citizens despaired about their Occupy nephew storming in unshaven from his sophomore year at some college back east. No sooner was Trump voted out than we had a new thing, the threat of death, to antagonize the proceedings. With the government urging Americans to stay home, Thanksgiving 2020 was a potential super spreader event extraordinaire and one reserved exclusively for family members. Were you inviting that great aunt because you enjoyed her company or because you wanted her dead? Into 2021, the challenge persisted as the vaccinated squared off against the anti-vaxxers with divided families worried about the full immunological spectrum of their extended entourage. Also last year, and just in time for its 400th anniversary, though one could hardly suggest the issue was new, some raised the pesky question of Thanksgiving's celebration of genocide. This forced people intent on their pumpkin pie to confront the fact that Thanksgiving is, at root, a commemoration of conquest and subjugation. It is, after all, a day that the United American Indians of New England observe as a day of mourning. The original Native American helpers, and that's a quote, the Wampanoags have expressed regret for helping the pilgrims out in the first place. Pardon me for, if I did, mispronounce their name. And I'm not speaking of the pilgrims. Or maybe it all just makes you angry and resentful. What has happened to your cherished American tradition, you wonder? Must everything be problematic? Nearly every holiday, with the possible exception of April Fool's Day, but just you wait, has become some kind of political football. The Republican right has been catastrophizing 
about an alleged war on Christmas for over a decade, though nobody has alerted the pharmacy chains whose aisles are already laden with red and green candy. Meanwhile, one poorly chosen wig on Halloween, fraught with potential cultural offenses, can result in social disaster. Please let it not be your kid who winds up the wrong kind of Disney character. Also in autumn, Diwali, a major occasion for Indians at home and abroad, has lately become a huge celebration across America. But who, some wonder, is allowed to put on a sari? Ye olden holidays, they are a-changin'. For the past two years, President Biden has issued a proclamation naming the second Monday in October, also known as Columbus Day, Indigenous Peoples Day, in order to, quote, celebrate indigenous history and our new beginning together, honoring Native Americans for shaping the contours of this country since time immemorial, unquote. The obvious question there is, what took so long? So let's consider the nominee for this year's chief Thanksgiving gripe. We could make a big deal out of the turkey shortage, for example. Both bird and side dishes have gotten notably more expensive, and with an impending recession, now really isn't the time. After a summer of exorbitant and overbooked flights that got canceled, and just as its passengers straggled out of security, Travel this year looks to be particularly crowded and unpleasant, and there's always contagion to fall back on. With COVID, RSV, and the flu all going around, a full-fledged gathering should provide ample opportunity to spread ill health. But would it be a problem to suggest that maybe Thanksgiving not be a problem this year? Boiled down to its essentials, Thanksgiving is a holiday about shared gratitude. We could just think about the thanks in Thanksgiving for a change. That gratitude may have originally been intended toward God and those Native Americans who helped the newly arrived colonists survive and for whom atonement may have been more appropriate. But even for us secular humanists, Thanksgiving offers a moment to appreciate whatever good this year brought even by accident or chance. I can think of a few things to feel thankful for. As vexing as this country can be, the midterms ended with a semblance of democracy still intact. The Democrats retained the Senate, striking a necessary blow against insanity. And while Sarah Huckabee Sanders was somehow considered a suitable person to run an entire state, Wes Moore, the accomplished author of five books, and a promising leader was elected to lead another. Elon Musk has sent Twitter twisting and shrieking toward the hellish oblivion where it belongs. Every year, more people seem to recognize the wisdom of spatchcocking their turkeys. And the little pie company, whose sour cream apple walnut pie I have been worshiping since high school, now ships nationwide, if nothing else, for many Americans, it's a four-day weekend. I will spend mine grateful for any leftovers. And that was, is there a problem with Thanksgiving?
by Pamela Hall. And she wrote this for the New York Times. And now, from the late Dr. Robert Drake, former resident of Ocean Park, Washington, a brief synopsis of Donald Trump's first Thanksgiving as president of the USA. Just in case anyone has forgotten, he was the worst and most dishonest president of the USA and intends to maximize his horror show two years hence if he does not instead spend the rest of his life in prison or flees into exile to the sanctuary of his patron, Putin. Dr. Brake died this past March 22, 2022, at age 74. Bitter Sweet by Dr. Robert it is Thanksgiving Day, and I am thinking about bittersweet. Not bittersweet items like cranberries or string beans, but the many bittersweet events during the first 10 months of the Trump administration. So let's talk turkey about what the Donald has done to demonize and demoralize us while often inspiring us, sometimes at the same time. For example, while his pathetic crusade to gut Obamacare proved woefully unsuccessful. He did motivate millions of Americans to become better informed and enroll in the program. Bittersweet indeed. His attacks on women motivated a million marchers to protest on the day of his inauguration. His Muslim ban, issued just seven days after his inauguration, motivated concerned Americans to reconsider the import of E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one, the motto of the United States. Once again, Americans tuned in to the riveting message of Kuzur and Ghazala Khan, a gold star family whom Trump denigrated after the loss of their son, Captain Humayun Khan, in Iraq. And once again, I hope I pronounce the names correctly. Trump's hugely reckless June 1st declaration to pull out of the Paris Climate Accord infuriated millions of us who now vow to do whatever we can to protect our planet. During his visit to Puerto Rico after the hurricane, Trump declared that Maria wasn't a real disaster like Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Our would-be meteorologist displayed no empathy for the 3.2 million brown-skinned Puerto Ricans who had no power or water or much of anything necessary to survive. How sad. But millions of Americans tried to help with cash, donations, prayer, or whatever they could muster. Trump's failure to condemn the white supremacists at the August 12th Charlottesville protest left a bitter taste since there was no evidence that there were, quote, leftist terrorists, unquote, or fine people on both sides. And that's also a quote. His unwillingness to disassociate from Nazis and white power demonstrators, whose violence left one anti-Nazi protester dead and many injured, energized millions of citizens who value diversity and tolerance. Toss in Trump's selection of racist Attorney General Jeff Sessions, and, well, you get the picture. Trump is clearly bigoted 
and incapable of registering even a scintilla of tolerance for people who are different. Witnesses' reaction to the death of Army Sergeant LaDavid Johnson killed in Niger on October 4, 2017. POTUS seemed to discount the death since the sergeant, quote, knew what he signed up for, unquote. And he was also black. How pathetic, especially when Trump tried to explain his failure to personally contact Johnson's pregnant widow, Maesha, who claimed that Trump couldn't even remember her dead husband's name. No empathy there, since Trump's only real priority is always what's in it for Trump. The issue of NFL players kneeling during the playing of the national anthem prompted Trump to beat the drum for real patriotism, even though Colin Kaepernick and others who knelt were not trying to overthrow the government, but were expressing their deep concern for racial justice in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Trump is a pathological liar, as evidenced by evil media like the New York Times that printed a list of all of Trump's tweeted or otherwise stated lies between January 20th, 2017 and June 25th, 2017. The list required an entire page in very small print. But Trump's skirmishes with facts and truth-telling has inspired millions of us Americans to mobilize to outmaneuver our egocentric, dim, bulb, short-fingered, Bulgarian POTUS. Finally, consider what Trump has done to the English language, savagely mauling it, incapable of stringing words together in a coherent sentence. Trump has created such mass confusion that his struggle to find the right words seems like a drunk driver smashing into a truck loaded with alphabet soup. Consider this example, among many, of Trump's dazzling incoherence. Quote, you look at the nuclear deal, the thing that really bothers me, it would have been so easy, and it's not. As important as these lives are, nuclear is so powerful. My uncle explained that to me many, many years ago, the power, and that was 35 years ago. He would explain the power of what's going to happen, and he was right. Who would have thought? End quote. And the staggeringly futile rambling continues for several more minutes. Can you imagine the headaches Trump speak induces as translators struggle to convert the Donald's words into a foreign languages? Hashtag number 45 has reminded us that President Barack Obama had a way with words, quote, unquote. It is just as obvious that Trump did not have way, and that's also a Nonetheless, since listening to Trump talk is such a dizzying experience, many of us realize that we need to pursue candor, clarity, and concision in order to combat the deleterious effect of Trump's rhetoric. We all need to use language to effectively mobilize our dissent, and hundreds of groups have already organized to do that. There you have it my short list of Trump behaviors that, paradoxically, have created some real bittersweet moments. 
I haven't even examined ongoing controversies like the Russia probe, fake news, alternative facts, Betsy DeVos, transgender military personnel, and a treasure trove of other topics. After all, a story told is only a half-hour program, and I'm on my way to engorge in some tasty, albeit bittersweet, foods and beverages. So I am temporarily setting aside my bittersweet thoughts. Happy Turkey Day, everyone. And that was by the late Robert Brake, who was a resident of Ocean Park, Washington. He was a retired teacher, and in his later years wrote for the Chinook Observer. He often passed on his articles with this program. This is Michael McCusker. Dylan Hauser Schalk is engineer for this program. As of November 15th, 8 billion human beings infest Mother Gaia. That's nine zeros hooked to an hourglass. We were only 7 billion a dozen years ago, up from 5 billion in 1998, which was, of course, the previous millennium. Despite wars, plagues, and famines, humanity has increased nearly to infinity. Soon enough, we are going to need a Jupiter-sized planet. If the Malthusian prediction of reduction after 10 billion is wrong. It is now 59 years since John Fitzgerald Kennedy was assassinated on November 22, 1963. His murder orbits around Thanksgiving like a dark star. My first Thanksgiving doing this program 35 years ago in 1987, I seemed to scare a few listeners by claiming in the manner of Orson Welles in his famous radio broadcast of a Martian invasion of Earth that a nuclear war had just begun and that I was broadcasting live at the end of the world. And now, for real, we hear the rattling of nukes and threats of doom greeting humanity's newborn eight billionth baby. We can think of Thanksgiving in two ways. Thanks that we are so special, or thanks that we are so lucky. And I dedicate today's program to Jim Josie, an Army Vietnam veteran who committed suicide in Portland Thanksgiving 1978. When you are in a war, he said, you are already dead. Happy Thanksgiving. 